Do you want to make games? Join the WVU Game Developers Club. They meet every Thursday at 6.30 in the Evansville Crossing, room 412. No prior experience is necessary. They help you make your first game, regardless of what background you have. Uh, everyone is welcome. You can check them out on Twitter at WVUGDC. Also check out their Facebook page. We hope to see you there. Hey, and welcome to Game Talk episode 13. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. Today I'm joined by Connor Haynes. Hey, guys. Ken Wu. Hello. And Michael Dumeyer. Hello. And right off the bat, we're going to start talking about Super Mario Odyssey, which just came out recently for the Nintendo Switch. I think it's safe to say that it lived up to its hype completely. Oh, yeah. I've liked it even more than I thought I would. I thought that it was going to be, like, competitive with a hat in time, but I can't even compare the two games anymore. It's truly a testament to Nintendo and how on point they are right now. Like, this is following Breath of the Wild, which is another... They're both, they've both settled at 97 on Metacritic, two of the highest critically acclaimed games of all time, um, all within the first year of this console's release. Yeah, two very real Game of the Year contenders very close together but something i want to comment on odyssey it's it's got this very special quality in which it's like happiness and joy personified in a game which is like weird to say but that's truly how i feel when i'm playing it just like every action you take every jump you make as mario or every vista you stumble across every world you visit visit you just feel like so much charm and like passion the Nintendo poured into it. I don't know about all that, but I, I agree that, like, Ed, the whole world is, like, very lovingly crafted, for sure. Yeah, but, like, I mean, are you soulless? Is that what I, you're saying I, right I now? Might, that might be what I'm saying. Because, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, there's a level they've showed quite a bit called New Donk City. And the ending sequence of that, I was just, like, grinning the whole time. Oh, yeah, like that, a fool. that was very good. Yeah, it was just so well done. It's got such flair to it, too. I've described it like a like a Broadway musical before. It's got all this personality. It's very expressive and it's it knows what it's good at. Yeah, it certainly does. And it's it's very nostalgic, but like it's not only nostalgic to Mario for me. Like when I play it, I don't just feel Mario. I feel other 3D platformers from that era too. I I've been describing it to people recently as like a mixture between Spyro and Mario because like all the moons you find to me feel like more like the eggs from Spyro, but the actual gameplay feels like so. Yeah, let's Mario let's mention the moons really quickly. So moons are the collectible like sort of item in this game, like how stars were to sixty four. There are what like over nine hundred in this uh, game. There's between eight and nine hundred. Um, yeah. You get to a point where you can buy as many as you want from a store. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But even so, that's just an absurd quantity of collectibles, and from what I've seen. So far, in the dozens of moons I've collected, all of them are hidden very meticulously and cleverly. I mean, sure, you have, like, your standard moons that you can buy at shops. You know that's going to be there. You know you're going to get moons for completing the main objective. But, like, on the way to those things, just tucked away under every nook and cranny seem to be several secrets that you can uncover. Right. Um, I'll agree that um, I'll say most of them are hidden really meticulously and like well there are a few that are just out in the open and stuff and those are like earlier game ones I'd yeah say. but that's understandable yeah. I think. You and wanna... then, as I've gone back I've completed the main game and I've gone back to start 100%ing the kingdoms and some of these moons are a little ridiculous to try to find yeah. like they're just buried in the middle of nowhere and you have to so I think it's something. good to clarify Connor you finished the game what I'm like about halfway through a little over You're half a little over maybe. halfway yeah so Connor definitely has a better perspective on this than I do. But as of where I am right now, I'm absolutely loving, loving every second I spend with the game. And we can kind of talk about what it's doing for Nintendo as well. It's already sold over 3 million units within the first three days it came out. Oh, wow. That's... Which means over a fourth of everyone who owns the Switch owns this game already. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's only going to go up around Christmas. Yeah, like we're just now getting to the holidays too, like Black Friday, Christmas. It just go. It's, it just speaks to the power of Nintendo, and even more so the power of Mario, the like the best gaming mascot there is. Oh you yeah, know, he's the face of video games, pretty much. Certainly. So, Michael and Ken, you guys haven't played Odyssey, but 
is there anything you want to chime in on when we're talking about it? So I've played um, Super Mario 64. Is it an Odyssey? Just like for those who haven't played the game, is it like collecting stars or what's like um, the mo- uh, like main objective that's, during the game? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You're collecting moons this time around, and it's very much in line with Mario 64 in that you have like these open-ended levels that you can kind of just explore and pick up uh, the moons. But unlike 64, where in 64 you had to pick which star sort of you were going after and then go after that one. In this one, all of the moons are just kind of laid out, and you just have to go find them. I would say that that's actually almost borrowing like the concept from '64, because in '64 you could you're given the star objective, but you can like if you knew a star they can get like ahead, you yeah. can go for that one. Yeah, I I would say that it's slightly more free than '64. Yeah, unlike like Sunshine or um, Galaxy, where mm-hmm. it kind they limited you to the objective of that star yeah right like in in sunshine and 64 there was a very clear sequence you were supposed to collect the stars in and if you did it out of order it felt like a sequence break in mario odyssey there's just no sequence there's just a bunch of moons for you to collect and you do it in whatever order you feel like doing i mean sunshine did have places where you could do another objective at the same time and manage to complete it and skip the first like Bianco Hills has one where you're, instead of, you know, getting the first shine sprite, you go up to the top of the windmill and you can face Petey Piranha. I'm right actually there. pretty sure that's the only time in Sunshine you can do <laughs> uh, that. Oh, no, there's also a skip at Zelato Beach that you can skip like half the entire. Really? Yeah, world. But I've actually six... watched a speed run recently where it's like, oh, yeah, you can just skip all this. At 64, you could do that on almost every single level. You could skip. To you know, you could get the hundred coin star or the red coin star first if you wanted to. I think there's also there's several skips that speedrunners have just figured out. It's like, oh, we could just do this objective instead because it's in the world already. We just kind of speaking about speedrunners though, they're gonna have so much a field day with this game. You know, it's going to be huge for speedrunning. I yeah, it's gonna be weird because there's so many possible routes. Because I I can't I, imagine a hundred percent speedrun. I can't imagine. 900 moon speedruns becoming popular. Right. I think it's just going to be, I think the most prevalent and popular form is going to be see the credits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to be just buck wild because there's like to choosing which moons to get because you only yeah. have to get a certain number there's to so many, the story. So much variety so in, the, many options. Yeah. In, in the route you could take. Yeah. That's going to be very exciting to see. Just talking about the mechanics a little more. I just love the movement in this game so much. Every time I die or like mess up, I, I, I understand that 100% it's just me not having a good enough grasp over the controls. But like when kind of I'm in the zone, I make Mario move the way I wanted to, and I can just pretty much go anywhere, I feel. Oh, yeah. And it, I was really worried. Um, one of the mechanics of the game is that you can throw Mario's hat at things, and he controls them. And I was convinced before the game came out that... it. it Nintendo wouldn't be able to make good controls for every enemy that you could control, but I was, for the most part, wrong. I don't think there was none. There was no time that it was really annoying to me to play as something other than Mario. It, I I would agree with that. Yeah. I didn't always love it, but I was never like annoyed by it. It also is kind of fun to see, like just throwing your hat at something, whether it be an enemy or an NPC or an inanimate object, and just seeing like if you can possess it. Right. Uh, I also control it. I've also really enjoyed dressing Mario up in all the different costumes that he has in the game. Yeah, that's definitely a huge component a lot of people are going to be all about. Personally, I like keeping yeah, the keep normal Mario, but there are scores of like out- hats and like... I'm telling you, later game you're going to be sold on some of the outfits you can get. Okay. They're, they're very good as you progress. They're just like... Also, I- just, this isn't really a spoiler, but why are the swim trucks so expensive? Uh, what, how much are they? A thousand. They're coins? a thousand. That's like to that's like, like nothing compared to everything late game. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, okay. A thousand coins is nothing. Okay. Wow. Although you never do get a way to get coins quickly. I... So <laughs> another kind of cool thing about this game, there's like the base currency, which is coins. This time around, where you can those the typical gold coins you can expect in every Mario <laughs> game, um, except this time they just stay with you rather than disappearing at the end of a level. And you can spend those coins on cosmetic items for Mario and souvenirs from your journey. Um, in addition to that, each level has its own currency in the form of differently shaped purple coins. And you can spend those purple coins 
only in the world in which you found them to also buy cosmetic items and different things. And every world has a different number of them, and you can keep track to make sure you found all of the purple coins because you only collect those once. There's a finite number of them. Yeah, and I really sort of enjoyed how that was implemented. Right, me like too. I, I, like I just I thought in my head, if it was a company other than Nintendo, it would have been somehow like microtransactions oh, would yeah. have been weaving into this. Yeah, but I gotta point out like all the all the cosmetic stuff that you can do yeah. with Mario, it's all free, you know. Yeah, it, and there's that's just zero strange in 2017. Yeah, you can't you don't have to pay for anything. There's no option to pay for anything, which is fantastic. Well, okay, that's not true. There are amiibo costumes. Oh, so I mean, it's that's like super expensive DLC amiibos, that also takes yeah. up room in your house. So that's horrible. And yeah. they did do that, but but I, dude, some people are just absolutely bonkers over amiibos. I don't I, understand. I that. know, but those people are wrong, and I would <laughs> like to make that clear. Is there any like story elements in Odyssey? It's got a. It's got uh, from what I've seen so far. It's got just about as much story as Mario sixty four. Something happens to Peach, you have to go save her. That's about it. Yeah, it has. It doesn't really have a good story, but it has a couple of like cute scenes that happen that are a part of the story. Interesting. Okay. One just to sort of maybe balance this conversation a little bit. One sort of negative about the game, I think, are the boss fights. They're just kind of samey and not very difficult. But yeah. I don't know what I expect from a Mario game. They're definitely easy, and I didn't like I didn't like any of the uh, fights with the Brutals, which are like the Koopa Kids of this game. They're Bowser's wedding party, and they like attack you a yeah. bunch of times. And I didn't think they were very fun, but I thought that the more original bosses that you fight throughout I would agree with that from the were few more I've creative. Seen. Yeah, especially uh, like the one in New Donk City comes to mind. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Hold up, hold up. They're called Brutals? They are called Brutals, yes. Yeah. That's ridiculous. They're rabbits. <sighs> are they rabbits or rabbits? Rabbit with a T. Yeah. Oh, dear. They're bunnies. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they definitely don't have as much charm or personality as the Koopa kids. Like, not even a little bit. No, and they do, Nintendo, like, they kind of build up, like, t- towards the end of the game, the Brutals are around, and, like, the game kind of acts like you formed some rivalry with them that I never really felt. <laughs> like, they act like I, I should be afraid of them at the end of the game, like they're some big bad. And, like, I thought they were the easiest bosses in the game every time I saw them. Like, I, I just never got excited to fight them, and that pretty much remained true. Yeah, so I guess the boss fights are one less than stellar aspect of this game. But, I mean, everything else, I would say, is just so overwhelmingly positive. Oh, yeah. The presentation... The, it looks so beautiful, like the game, right yeah. on a Switch. It just, yeah, it's insane. It looks like a CG Disney movie, pretty much, the entire time. Uh, the music's fantastic. There's not, like, a lot of it, I think. It's no, kind of sparse. There, there's a lot of music. Oh, really? You uh, Towards the end of the game, they give you a list of all the songs you've heard oh, wow, in the game, okay. and you can, like, select them to play wherever you want, well, and you I'm realize just how much there wrong. is. Yeah, yeah there's, there's quite a bit of music. I got to give a shout-out to... Uh, the sort of Super Mario Odyssey theme song. What what's it called? Jump Up Superstar. I have no idea. The it's one good, sung though. by the lady. Yeah, it's it's so catchy and it's yeah. so full of energy, and it kind of just represents everything Mario Odyssey is in song form. Um, yeah, it's every time there uh, there are very few times in this game that a song with lyrics plays, but every time it does, it's very 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 exciting. Yeah. From the one time I've experienced, I can verify that for sure. Um, it's just absurd to me how much content's in the game. Like, 900 or so moons, and they all feel about the length like, <clears throat> of a Super Mario 64 star to me. So, um, you've played this game a lot more than me. How many hours have you put into it, if you had to ballpark it? Uh, maybe 30. No shame here. Probably no shame. 30 or 40. And how yeah. many moons do you have? I have... 650, I think. Okay, so around two-thirds. I'm inching towards 700. Around two-thirds after 30 to 40 hours. That's pretty incredible for a Mario game, I'd say. Yeah, it's wild. It's got, yeah, more content than any other Mario game I could think of. Yeah, by far. I don't know. You play games like Galaxy where they just, like, their end game was to have you play through the game a second time as Luigi. Oh, yeah, yeah, bring that up. Do you think there'll be something for collecting all the moons? So, I, like, 64 
uh, when you got all the stars, you had access to the cannon outside the castle. So Sunshine, I you have the postcard, and then Galaxy, you can play as Luigi second time through. I think there will be. I don't know what it is yet, but I have to make the distinction. There, uh, after you beat the main game, there are like, you, every time you collect a certain number of moons, you unlock a new item to buy from the store. And eventually you can buy moons from the store, and that is an infinite pool. Like, as long as you have coins, you can keep buying moons, and it'll increase your counter. But then totally separate are the mission moons, and the game keeps track of those separately. And so, so what's the point of the store moons? To unlock more items to buy from the store. And, like, yeah, just to unlock Sounds like a vicious cycle. To unlock different number caps, you buy moons from the store if you want to. But I imagine that there's something special you get for completing all the missions, and then... Knowing Nintendo, probably also for getting to 999 moons. Okay. Which um, I, I imagine is the cap. Another thing to point out is the sheer number and variety of levels in this game. It certainly has more levels than any other 3D Mario, I think it's safe to say. Oh, e- yeah. Easily. And they're bigger. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm about halfway through, and I've seen what see, six, seven, maybe eight kingdoms, which is, you know, that's about the size of, like, other... 3D Mario games, like Mario 64, I think. It was around 10, right? Yeah, I think it it was 10. Both the scope and the moment-to-moment gameplay have never been better in a Mario game, in my opinion. How do you, like, select these levels? Like, is it... So, your ship is called the Odyssey, and it's basically, like, a giant... Not even giant. It's, like, a... It's a floating ship with, like, a balloon attached to it, and you use it to float to these different kingdoms. Now, I, I, I watched Connor play a bit. It looked like the level select screen was, like, Earth or something. Right, yeah. You see a big planet, and you select what kingdom you want to go to see, from the, the list. See, the sort of aesthetic of this game is that, like, you're on this grand tour. An like, odyssey, if you will. And, yes. And each place you come to has, like, a tourist pamphlet describing the level and, like, some secret, like, some hints as to what secrets are in the level. But it's presented as, like, a tourist pl- pamphlet. It's so cool. Right, and the pamphlet totally, like, if you actually go through and zoom in on it and read some of it, it'll tell you where some of the moons are, basically. Yeah, there's a like, ton of information you. packed into it, and uh, they, they they were just written with so much care. Like, they actually feel like vacation pamphlets. Yeah, it's very nice. Are these locations, like, based off of real-world locations? No. Or kind of based off of, like, the Mario level theme? So you get, like, your desert world, your plane world. Yes, but I will also say that I think they took some inspiration from actual life. It's definitely more the, like, you have your lava kingdom, you have your ice kingdom, you have your sand kingdom, you have all that, you know. You, You think they'll, like, later on they'll add, like... I don't want to say it, but like DLC. I I so hope so. I think it's possible, and I will instantly buy it if they do. Like Like, since like you know the level select is based off of like a planet, they can add more locations. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like they they will just because they did for Zelda, and if they did for Zelda, I feel like they're gonna do it for Mario as well. Um, Yeah, I would love to play more levels, and like the more the merrier. I would say like this is DLC. I'd be happy to pay for. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine myself not wanting just more levels. Like if they if they released a second game and made no changes to the gameplay at all and it was just more levels for Mario Odyssey. Mario would, Odyssey 2. Yeah, same I'd instantly as Galaxy 2. spend $60 like yeah. no problem. I would be down for that. Especially if they kept there are a couple mechanics that get introduced later on in Odyssey that I would love to see more of. And they just don't get used a ton because okay. they are introduced hmm. so late. But yeah, it's just, I think the bottom line is, for me, the reason why this game is so special is that everything you do in it is just fun. Like, moving is fun. Finding moons is fun. Uh, boss fights, while not the most exciting, are still fun. Yeah, Nintendo really sort of captured that essence in a bottle. And this game really sort of encapsulates what it means to be just a pure fun video game, I think. It really, yeah, like, most of the time when I 100% a game, I'm doing it to make a statement, like, I liked this game enough to 100% it, so I should do it, and I, like, you know, will be proud of myself for doing it. With Mario Odyssey... You just want to keep playing. I just want to keep playing the game. Like, I don't want it to be over, so I can keep playing it, and I keep having fun, so I keep doing it so far. Like, with Zelda, Breath of the Wild, now, overall, I liked Breath of the Wild more. I think it was more my speed and all. I, I liked it more. 
but once I beat that game, I was done with it. I'm not going to 100% it. Mario Odyssey is a game that just keeps on giving. It keeps on wanting, like, it keeps bringing me back to collect one more moon, like, no matter what, you know. Well said. So my roommates, in their infinite wisdom, have described this as an open-world game. Would you agree with that statement? No. No. I don't think it's an open-world game. So it has several levels which are open-ended. Those levels are open. Like, you can, if, if you see somewhere, you can go there, pretty much. But, like, these levels aren't the size of, like... Fallout. Yeah, yeah. Fallout or Skyrim. Yeah, you know, like they're, they're just reasonably sized 3D yeah. levels. They're just Super Mario 64 levels, but... Bigger. A lot bigger, yeah. yeah. So, no, your roommates are, in, are very wrong. There, there is fast travel in it, though, uh, because the yeah, levels are so big. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Within each level, there's, like, different places you can fast travel Although to. I find myself not using it a whole lot, because it's more fun... To just almost, it's almost as fast a lot of the time to just <clears throat> jump and, like, pick up moons along the way, honestly. Like, using the fast travel, I would discourage it a lot because you're going to miss stuff. I mean, yeah, you're just not going to get the moons. Like, you're going to be hurting yourself progression-wise by using it. If, if you have a Nintendo Switch, absolutely buy this game. If you don't have a Nintendo Switch, buy a Nintendo Switch and buy this game. I That's did. like, yeah, he did. And so did a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it's I going imagine. to, it's going to be very interesting to see Nintendo's overall Switch sales at the end of like the Christmas December. Season. Yeah, like, I I have a feeling they're probably going to double or more. It's going to be huge between Zelda and Mario, but we shall see. Um, our next topic is mobile controlled games. So these games are traditionally console or PC games that employ multiplayer through cell phone control. So a game like Jackbox on the PS4, for example, you boot it up on your PlayStation and you get a bunch of your friends together that each sort of log into the game through your phone, through your own cell phone, and are able to play that way. They're really fun social experiences, I've found, and and they're definitely getting more and more prevalent and I'm sort of interested to see what you guys think of them and what 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 of these mobile control games you've played. Um, I've played what's uh, it's it's more of a platform called Air Console for right. the PC. I've played that as well. And um, we our game developer club game nights will play that a lot. And I think Air Console is very cool. It um, you have to avoid like twitchier games and stuff because it's touchscreen controls. So you you wouldn't want to play like a platformer on it, for instance. But it's very fun for a party game. It's yeah, like usually these games are very bite sized and very accessible. So even if you have people with you that don't usually play video games, the concepts and like the sort of gameplay they present are very easy to understand and fun to fun to do. Right, and it's very clearly appealing to that casual market, and it's it's doing an excellent job. Yeah, I agree. I have a lot of fun with these games. Uh, I remember there was a phase maybe a year or two ago now that me and my friends just used to like chill and play Jackbox party pack games. Uh, and there were just like eight, nine of us and we'd all just connect with our phones and have, have a lot of fun. Part of the reason why these games are so fun, especially the Jackbox games is that there's a heavy, like a heavy, like the gameplay is dictated by what you do. So for example, there's a game in the Jackbox party pack set that basically everyone has to fill in the blank with a word, right? And, like, the funniest word, you get to vote on it anonymously, and the funniest word gets the point. Like, that player gets the point. So that can, like, lead to some very, like, hilarious situations. And isn't this something that, like, um, a Twitch streamer can have their audience vote as well? That's true, yeah. It Um, depends on the game. Okay. Some games you can have the the audience can't vote on. Like, Fibbage, the audience can't vote. They can watch, but they cannot vote unless they're actively in the game. But... Quiplash, I think the audience can vote, and the audience has a bigger sway than the actual players of the game. Oh, wow. And, um, no, that's a huge point you brought up. Like, the Twitch integration for this is going to be huge. It's already kind of big. Like, games such as uh, Telltale games, actually, the latest Telltale games, uh, like Batman, and I think every Telltale game going forward, they employ, like, this sort of, like, play-share mentality where if you have a bunch of friends over, you can log in with your all of you can get on with your phones and as telltale games are traditionally like narrative based if the story comes to like a fork 
the option with the most votes gets selected. So I I think that's an excellent, that has so much potential on Twitch as well. If a popular streamer is going to get on and stream a Telltale game with like a bunch of his followers, like hundreds of his followers, and they get to dictate the flow of his game. I think that's really cool. Now, does it it already support a Twitch streamer doing that? Because I feel like that would hurt sales if like thousands of people can play a single copy of a game. Um, I'm not quite sure about that. I feel like it's been done on Twitch before. Okay. I, I, I definitely know of a couple it's, streamers who, who have done that before. Even I, like, as a developer, would would want to avoid that because I feel like why would anyone buy that game if they could have a better experience playing it with a well, streamer? Almost? I still think streamers and people who watch streams are in the minority as far as sales are concerned. A lot more people are going to be actually buying the game and playing it. Okay. Um. So they might just see that as, like... An, a good trade-off as far as sales are concerned because if it has this added feature more people will be willing to like group up and play it that's just my guess you know like the twitch streamers could like they can showcase the game and they see it's fun they could play with their friends them seeing the twitch streamers playing it they'll like they'll want to go out and buy the game themselves if the game is that good enough right personally like i feel that way about narrative based games like I don't want to watch a Twitch stream of a narrative game. If I maybe I'd check on it for like three minutes and see if it looks like something I would enjoy, and then I would be more invested in it myself. There's also a game called Aeon Altar, which uses the mobile device to kind of it's an RPG, for, like a four-player RPG, and the mobile devices are used to represent your character, where you'll receive like thought from your character, or you could share your you could share those thoughts with your friend, or you know, kind of betray them. And you yeah. could like upgrade and everything. All the controller, all the character management is all done through the mobile device. That's cool. Yeah, you're definitely seeing more of these style of games, and it's it's very interesting to see how this will evolve going forward. Because I already think it's evolving pretty quickly. We got, I think, all of the Jackbox games within the span of oh, five six years. Six player, actually. I read four. It's actually no, it's four to four. Never mind. But you can have, like, as many players as you want in a system like this because it's just network. Yeah, it's just people's phones. Right, it's yeah. it's solely dictated by the design of the game. There, that's the only sort of limitation. So, uh, speaking about going forward, um, I myself have only played, uh, like, Air Console and Jackbox games, but recently PS4 really, um, like, showcased their PlayLink, which is based oh, off right. of the Air Console concept. It's using your phone as a controller to play various games. Right, yeah, that's that's interesting that PlayStation jumped on that and actually gave it a name. Yeah, so like I, yeah, Air Play Console okay. and like Jackbox, they're like games, so they're pretty niche, but then like a, a whole like system. Genre releasing, of yeah. games, yeah, called PlayLink. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I was watching Sony's uh, Paris Games Week show, and one of the games they showed was one of these PlayLink games. And it seemed very interesting. It was like, it was, did you see it, Ken? It was uh, the game about that woman who, like, they showed that you could make a choice, trust a stranger or, like, attack him and, like, run away or stay, like, various choices like that. I, I didn't see it in, like, what you, the Paris game, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I am looking at, like, a, a website that talks about it. They got three games coming for it. One's called Hidden Agenda. It's kind of like that game looks really cool. A movie plays out, but you can change the outcome of the movie. I think that's what they showed at, okay. at the conference. And then yeah. there's a game called Knowledge is Power, which is like a trivia game. So instead of like, kind of like Buzz Time, was that the game that it was on like the PS2 ago? But it's, it's just like a trivia game. So instead of like buying controllers, you can just use your phones. Mm-hmm. So it'll cut down on cost. Um, and then the last one is SingStar, which is like. A karaoke game. Mm-hmm. I'm taking use your phone as the mic. Yeah. No, this has so much potential. Yeah, it excites me. The idea of like asynchronous multiplayer using something like this, like I, you know, like maybe you're on your PlayStation Four and one person's playing with a controller, and another person is on their phone and they see something different on their right. phone. Right. A lot of games like already implement implement systems that's very like cool. that. Like it yeah. makes me think of the Tingle Tuner from Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. And things like that were very cool and underutilized because of all the hardware it required. But now everybody already has the hardware. Yeah. So it, 
It's interesting, I think, to see innovations in these areas now that we've sort of reached, I don't want to say we've reached like the zenith of like just better graphics and stuff like that, but I think we've reached a point now where that's not enough and developers are looking for other cool ways to innovate and have fun with your games. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it's def We're definitely at a point where like VR exists, but not everybody's going to hop on board and somehow we have to shake up our traditional gaming. Yeah, and this is another sort of pillar in which that can happen. Um, any concluding thoughts, guys? I mean, I guess um, we could also see Nintendo looking forward. Per you know, perhaps this is one of the reasons they want their mobile app to be so integrated no, into yeah, the I Switches. absolutely could see that being the case. And I think that would be a smart play for them. Yeah. Using your cell phones in the video game space when done right, can add so much value. I think we could leave it at that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Our final topic today is going to be cross-platform multiplayer. Um, so this is the idea that people who play on different platforms, such as Steam, such as Xbox Live, such as PlayStation Network, whatever Nintendo's is going to be called, <laughs> um, the idea is that all these players will be able to play together across platforms and we sort of see a lot of games embracing this and a lot of companies embracing this. But I think there's one very sort of huge elephant in the room. There's one major company that's sort of ruining the party for everyone. And I'm talking about Sony, of course. So a little bit of background on this. I think Microsoft sort of initiated this. Microsoft sort of took the initiative with this and... Uh, started reaching out to other companies such as Nintendo, such as <clears throat> maybe companies is the right word, but other platforms. And they were like, hey, can we put, uh, can our multiplayer just be cross-platform? And a lot of companies were absolutely fine with that. I think it benefits everyone if you increase the pool of potential players. But one exception is Sony. Uh, Sony is absolutely refused each time Microsoft has reached out. The biggest example being Minecraft, I think. Minecraft currently, everyone who plays on Nintendo Switch, on Xbox Live, on PC, all of them can play together. On mobile, even. On mobile, even. Yeah, all of those platforms can play together. Uh, but Sony's off on their own little island. So if you play on PlayStation 4, you're only playing with other PlayStation 4 players. Whereas if you're on a different platform, you can play with anyone else. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think this is a very boneheaded move by Sony. And I think they'll end up regretting it, and I do think they'll end up reversing their position on it soon. But I, it's just a very bad look to be this stubborn about it, I think. I agree, and I'd also just like to point out how technically simple it is, it is yes. to make cross-platform multiplayer, because in, in networking with programming, a packet is a packet is a packet is a packet. It does not matter what platform is on the receiving end it's not hard to use that information. Like, there's nothing about an Xbox and there's nothing about a PS4 that makes it hard for the two to talk to each other. It's purely politics stopping right. them. And um, just to sort of, just an example, uh, the Rocket League developers, Psionics, right? Psionics. Psionics. When they were asked about any technical difficulties in cross-platform play with Sony, because right now there's cross-platform play between... Xbox and PC, and even Switch, I think. I, I don't. I it's say, not out on Switch yet. Well, when it's when it's going to be out on Switch, I believe there will be cross-platform play there. And there is cross-platform play with PlayStation Four and, and PC. And when Psionics, oh, is there really? That's there interesting. Is. It's just Xbox and yeah, yeah, um, Microsoft. But to to finish what I was saying, uh, when he was asked about that, they were like, "It's literally a matter of flipping a Switch." Yeah, they could. They, they could, said they could, they have they said done they could literally sw flip a Switch and. Cross-platform multiplayer would be a thing, but they're just not legally allowed to. Uh, Ken, what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, um, PC and PS4, actually, they have, well, one game that I play a lot, War Thunder, which is a aerial combat and um, tank combat, World War II-era um, game that does PC and PS4 cross-platform right now. And recently, the developers of the game Gaijin... Um, Really, uh, released a statement that it was going to come out on Xbox One. So, I mean, uh, the player base already have like have talks about on their forums of cr like this cross-platform between PS4 and PC and the Xbox. Mm -hmm. 
It's it, yeah, it's certainly very interesting to me that Sony is in in the position being like, no, we don't want this, and Microsoft's trying to get them to do it. I wonder if maybe Microsoft were the market leader, and Sony were behind, they would be more willing to say yes. Oh, I'm almost 100% certain they yeah. would, because I'm pretty sure this came up last generation, because nothing changed this generation mm -hmm. to make this possible. It, it's always been possible. And I'm pretty sure Sony, like, or Sony won last generation at the end, but early on, Xbox was far ahead. Yeah, they had the mind share, too. I think that's important. And uh, they were, you know, uh, I forget, I think it was Mag. I don't remember. There Mag, was, yeah. There was definitely a game that wanted to do cross-platform multiplayer, and Microsoft well, were the ones shooting. Mag around. was like the massive, like eighty-player game on PS3. Mag was okay. only on was a console yeah. exclusive. Was so exclusive. that's not the game you were okay. talking about. I, I don't remember the game I'm talking about. There was it definitely came up. There was CCP's Dust Five One Four, which used the PlayStation Three and PC. They were cross-platform to an extent where things that you did in the Dust End affected like the big eve space gameplay and mm -hmm. the spreadsheet management that's that such eve. a cool idea yeah i wish we could see that more but, but ccp sort of just kind of right? gave yeah. up on it mm -hmm. really quickly unfortunately it actually shut down last year or the year before that or some time ago it's just uh, i think it's just a matter of how long can sony hold out because it's literally them versus everyone else at this point um and it's just it's just not smart i mean I have friends who play Minecraft on Xbox and friends who play Minecraft on PC, and now all of them can play together, whereas I'm stranded on PlayStation 4, The thing, which is sort of, there's yeah. only so much of that the player base will tolerate, I think. And I think before, yeah, before long it's going to be a, an issue, because anybody on the edge between PS4 Pro and Xbox One X... Yeah, that's a huge gonna, selling point. Yeah, because um, Xbox One X is going to have... The more long-lasting player base Minecraft. for games. The healthier uh, multiplayer, for sure. 4K. <laughs> you can see those pixels in 4K. Yeah, 4K so Minecraft with, with mobile players. And with <laughs> 4K Minecraft just sounds so ridiculous when you say it. It, co it, it kind of does. I understand that. But why not, I guess, is my philosophy on that. Um, Man, I, I do think like cross-platform would just benefit everyone. Just like increasing the player pool. So Sony... Their excuse was so flimsy and weird. Think it was, of the children. Yeah, that's essentially what it was. So when they were asked, like, why why won't you let uh, Minecraft players play with Xbox players? It was like, oh, we have kids that play on PlayStation. We won't, don't want them to have, like, interactions with Xbox players who might be bad or something. I guess they that was know, their they insinu mute them, right? insinuation. <laughs> they didn't want to be liable for another network interacting with their like with players from another network interacting with their players yeah you worded that a lot better than i did they didn't want to share the liability there like and i okay so that's not that's not incredibly flimsy if if there was any legal issues with minecraft right now it's going to be a mess there's just too many cooks in the kitchen like but it it's not going to happen it's never happened mm -hmm. before that i know of because i you know i feel like that would be big news and like there's already all the warnings and everything about online interaction yeah i think they're completely fine there it was just an excuse yeah i i definitely think it was an excuse i just don't i don't know if i agree with how flimsy you're saying it was i think it was pretty flimsy still but it's not great yeah i um, mean there's also the issue of patch parity because that's an issue some developers run into that haven't developed like and in with Sony, where it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, we can push that update real quick because we don't have to get it approved. Right. Like, the PlanetSide 2 devs, who were, used to be under Sony, well, they were still under Sony before they became Daybreak when they were working on PlayStation, the PlayStation 4 version of PlanetSide 2, there was no cross-platform in the air because they still had to wait, like, a week or two weeks to get the patch compatible and then push it out. Right, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's going to be kind of a pain for developers to make sure right. every version of an update... That's the big problem it. with like massive console, massive like cross platform is that each architecture is different to an extent and they each like do different things. And coding for that is going to be difficult until we kind of reach that medium where every console. Well, like I, a PC. I certainly think that was the case last generation with the PS3's like cell architecture and and Xbox One's more or Xbox 360's more traditional like PC like architecture. But now with PS4 
and all Xbox PC, One, though. they're all like the PC. So I feel like it's easier now than ever. I can't really speak for Switch. I'm not quite sure what the innards of the Switch are, but yeah, I think it, it now is the time uh, to start implementing this feature because so the the hardware has never been more similar. I mean, in Planetside 2's defense, that game is really, on PC, it's really, really CPU-bound. Like, it's heavy, heavily bound on CPU, and it was not optimized enough to go onto console. So they spent the better part of, like, three, two years or so working on getting it optimized enough to at least run 30 on console and at minimum. Like, it never dips below 30 unless you're in a huge battle where you cannot expect it to go above 30 on even a moderate PC. Mm -hmm. Well, the CPU bottleneck issue you were talking about, I think they could just shoot for the weakest console and develop based on that, I think. Right, that's, that's... generally what they have to do because um, console CPUs tend to be pretty weak uh, speed-wise, and they try to make up with it uh, or make up for it with multiple cores. So... Um, that's that's a problem with parity between PC and console development a lot of the time. Right. But uh, that wouldn't be a problem between the PS4 and the Xbox because their CPUs are so right. comparable. But that also brings up the issue, like, the PC player will have to settle for less than optimal, less Gameplay. than the best sort of like resolution or frame rate or what, what well, have no, you. Well, um, no, CPU is going to not slow down your... CPU won't affect your graphics as much. It as will be uh, it affects the frame rate, right? No, it'll the, it'll be the number of things on the screen more. In Planetside yeah. 2's case, like if I played both versions, the PC version and the console version, and there was issues where I'd be in this big battle and people would just disappear. You, they wouldn't be rendered. Mm. So I'd get killed by an invisible man because it just the game could not render it and Daybreak could not figure out how to fix that. Okay, so there does seem to be sort of technical hiccups that might be encountered going forward. But I still think it's the smart way forward. Like, you couldn't do something like Planetside 2 cross-platform because that would be a mess. Because it's designed to have, like, hundreds of players on screen at once. Because that's the whole feel and idea of the game is large-scale Maybe right. two console generations from now. But a game like Battlefield, Call of Duty, Minecraft, really traditional game, traditional multiplayer games... Other than parity of controls, as long as frame rate is locked across yeah. all platforms, and that's the same a way. kind of yeah. no-no for PC people, and that, especially. But th there's no good reason for non-competitive games to not mm. have cross-platform multiplayer. I agree with that. I don't like the idea of frame rate locking because that just hurts. Like if I want to, if I if it's locked to 60 and I have a 120 hertz monitor, I want to run it at 120 hertz. Right, but when you're playing a competitive game, if you have a higher frame rate than someone else, you have an advantage. Yeah, and that's why I can't see cross-platform becoming mainstream, That, especially with competitive games. Like, you won't see Call of Duty cross-platform because that's kind of competitive. Right, but Rocket League doesn't have an issue with it, for instance. Because Rocket League, you really don't gain as much yeah, of an advantage from frame rate. Frame rate really doesn't help you. I mean, you have to look at competitive games outside of a first-person shooter. Like, like first-person shooters, cross-platform, never... It's not going to happen. Not gonna happen. You're not going to have keyboard and mouse players playing with <coughs> like, controller players. Keyboard it's just not and fair. mouse. Like the thing with Rocket League is that everyone's using a controller because keyboard and mouse in Rocket League is just a mistake. I've never met anyone. Some who's of the enjoyed top it. pro players use keyboard and mouse. I've never seen anybody who's enjoyed it with keyboard and mouse, but I don't get it. Yeah, I don't like it, but uh, some of the pros use it. Can't you plug in a keyboard and mouse into an Xbox One and PS4 now? I think that update's mm. coming soon, but nobody's ever going to do games it. Some games you can. Like War Thunder you could in PS4, but you, they have to code for that. Like, most games won't allow it. Yeah, the, the sort of the guts there of are, how, like, ooh. FPS mechanics would work are different between PC and console. Right, so like, you can't just plug in a c controller to the console and expect to have, like, PC-like. Or you can't just plug in a keyboard and mouse into your console and expect to have... PC like precision. I mean, is that like a controller like favorability? Like, if someone likes to play on a controller, like for example, when I first got my PC, I was actually still used on playing Battlefield on a controller, and I I was actually doing well against keyboard players on a controller. So no, I mean you could have just been better than them. But the argument is, if you have two people of equal skill level, one on a controller and one on a keyboard and mouse it's so much easier for the keyboard and mouse player to just hover over your head and click, you know? Yeah, keyboard and mouse, like, I've played on both, and keyboard and mouse gives you so much more control over the crosshair than, like, 
a stick because it feels more natural. Right, but I think we're getting super off topic, so let's sort of... This is for next bring, podcast. You know? Bring it back to cross-platform. Cross-platform is coming, like, whether a generation or two from now, it's definitely going to be a thing that's coming. If consoles still exist in the next, like, generation or oh, two. Oh, they, they might Whenever not. someone says that, I roll my eyes so hard. Each console has been... Like, the PS4 and Xbox One are the... Like, this generation of consoles is going is on track to be the most successful generation of consoles. But at what point does the console just become a hardware-locked PC? Because we're getting to that point real quick. Exclusive games. It's already been there. Like, it already is there. And next generation, they're just going to... Yeah, this is pretty much a PC, but we're going to call it an Xbox 2. Exclusive games, maybe? Exclusive. Yeah, exclusive games are the biggest thing there. Like, I will always buy Sony consoles because I think they have the best exclusives. Uh, but anyways... As always, we end the show talking about games we've been playing. Uh, who wants to go first today? All right, I'll just go in. This is a cheap answer. I've only been playing Mario Odyssey. I've also only been playing Mario Odyssey. <laughs> it's just so good. In fact, let's just talk more about how good it is. It's just so good. I, I just can't even get over Like, I was playing it while I was waiting for you guys to show up to record. Like, I was sitting here. Yeah. And I just... I can't stop. It's so good. Like even, even like the and stupid little puzzles that like in like, in other games would annoy me. Like they they just I'm so happy to play. Yeah, in our, in I absolutely agree. And also the novelty of the Switch adds so much to this game too. Oh yeah. Like it's so nice to just like, play it on your TV and then whenever you have to get up for whatever reason, just take it with you. Yeah. And like it's so seamless and it's so wonderful and that's the best thing about the switch if i'm feeling tired i can play odyssey in my bed if i'm not i can play it on my couch how many people do you think play it while they're you know in the bathroom at least one probably everyone except me because i'm not a degenerate um i wipe all my electronics down with alcohol pretty (laughs) regularly just so we're clear Ugh. So, I haven't been playing any new games, but the new Wolfenstein looks really good, and I want to get that game. I also want to get that game. It looks very, very good. I've, I, heard, I've heard good things. I don't think it's my kind of game, though. But, it's a uh, little too political for us. Is it because uh, the uh, marketing campaign? No, it's not because of that. I'm just not into first-person shooters, really. But Really? Yeah. Bethesda was straight the, Destiny, savage Destiny's thing. the only exception. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the. I, I'll admit, I got caught up in the punch Nazis in the face marketing and everything. Yeah, I loved the the New Order, the other newer Wolfenstein. No, I hear they're really great games. Yeah, will, it was very fun, and this one looks like just more of that. So I will, I will say, from like some of the cutscenes I've seen of this game, they do a really good job of like making you hate these Nazis like really bad. I feel like that shouldn't be very hard though. That, there's a lot like, of games I, where just like. The Nazis are just kind of there. Look at, like, older Call of Duty. Like, they're just guys that kind of look German, I guess. It never makes you really want to hate them. Yeah, they actually go out of their way to characterize these Nazis as the scum of the earth in Wolfenstein. Well, that's like, always good. I feel like nowadays especially people need reminding of that. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a reason why the trope of wacky Nazis exists because a lot of it's just like, oh, those Nazis, so wacky, you know? <laughs> oh, hilarious. And it's just why? They're Nazis. Anyway, what have you guys been playing? <laughs> well, speaking of World War II based games, I've been playing a little indie game called Bomber Crew. I've heard of that. That looks really cool. Oh, it's can so you, difficult. Can you tell us about it? So, I have no, I have no oh, idea what God. it is. So, you are a. You're like an omnipotent figure guiding the crew of this little World War II bomber. Through all the disasters possible in real time, no pause. There's a slow mode now, but it's still real time. And you have to deal with your crew dying, the plane getting, you losing an engine, your engine's catching fire, your plane getting shot up. So is this multiplayer? No, it's single player. It's. Oh, you said you're omnipotent. Okay, you're controlling all these things. Think FTL, except you're in a World War II bomber and a lot more flimsy than a spaceship. Okay. Once you start getting shot at, you're in a, for a rough time. So, like most flight simulators, it's just flight simulating, and they'll have a whole bunch of planes, and like sometimes they have bombers, but you're only controlling like flying the plane. This game is more like a bomber crew management. So, like you have your gunner, your waste gunner, your engineer, your pilot, co-pilot, your 
navigator and you have to like control what they do so if something happens to your plane you have to like move a crew member to do whatever interesting okay so it's like taking a flight simulator but then like focusing on the bomber aspect of it but you're not really flying the plane though so it's just a crew like a crew management this this sounds incredibly fun to me i i loved ftl yeah i've I've seen some gameplay on youtube and like it gets pretty hectic the like, first level for me was pretty hectic, and I actually died because I was like, I don't know where I'm going anymore because the game just stopped. That was actually something I wanted you to ask. Started losing things. Is it like, is it roguelike in the sense that FTL is, or you you fly? They give you a mission, and your plane just kind of flies it, but you have to manage your crew. You also have to click the navigation beacons as they come up. Okay, and make so sure it's, you go in that direction. But it's like level based. It is level based. Okay, but. If your plane gets shot down and you manage to get your crew out on time, there is a chance that they'll be alive. Or, like, it's dependent on their survival skill or their water survival skill, and that'll it'll roll like a little wheel. And what, like, what do you get if your crew survives? Do you if your get... crew survives, you get your crew back. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you just have to get another plane, which so is how, a pain. So you said this was an indie game. Like, how much is it? Um, uh, it's 15 bucks. I wow. it was, it was okay. like 25% off, so I spent $13 on yeah, it. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great value for something it's, that has like it's all worth of it. these systems and stuff like that. Um, so Connor asked about if y- your crew level has levels. So if you keep the crew alive over and over, they'll gain more experience and they'll become better at their task. So if you, I, what I've seen, if you lose a crew member, you start out with the new member of the team that's level one, so he'll be like the weak link of the of the crew. So you have a huge incentive to try to keep your guys alive, even if you fail the mission. Then, yep. Or to at least land your bomber safely somewhere. And like I've the one of the first missions, I got shot down. All my crew died. I'm like, this isn't even worth it. Just restarted. Then I went on another so next first mission. I had an incident where an engine fell off. It just it just dropped. I'm just like, oh, I don't need that. I'm fine. I completed the mission, did not crash, but I lost an engine, and the other engine caught fire. And I had to send a crew member out on the wing to fix it, where he was very vulnerable to falling off. Yeah, it, it definitely, I'm, I'm, my interest is very piqued uh, by what you all have said. Uh, those who are looking at the game right now, don't let the cartoon aesthetic fool you. Uh, it's a pretty hectic game. It's when, brutal. Like, when you get into the action. I mean, I think in 2017, I think we're past aesthetics defining what games are. I agree with that. Um, Are there any other games you guys want to talk about? Ken, you sort of mentioned Wolfenstein, but you never played it, so. Uh, Yeah, it's not, I haven't played it, but it's just a game I really want to get. I've been playing uh, War Thunder and still Battlefield 4. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about one of those? Um... Well, so I talked uh, War Thunder, just kind of grinding away at planes, trying to finish off the American tech tree. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm still playing Warframe, like, a week later. The game is still good. Like, I've been putting a lot of time into it, even though I failed the same mastery rank test eight times now. Stealth, man, it's difficult. It's real difficult. All right, Michael, you already you already got your game. I guess we'll just do Wolf and Son for Ken's game. That works. Okay. All right, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye.